0: Said Pamela to the patriarchy, Do you queer what I queer? Come ye to live for more.
1: Hi, how are, you? Good. How are ha- you? Happy Dickwick. The sun's shutting my eyes. I cannot see you. I don't I shouldn't be seen today. So I feel really happy. It's honestly
2: perfect. <laughs> what's I- your what's your day like? What's your mood?
1: Um I'm living, I'm loving. Okay, are you letting it go? I'm letting it go. Do you have
2: tears left to cry?
1: A few. Um I found clearly Canadian. In the seven eleven right now, and I'm really happy because I had not seen that drink since the nineties. I don't know what that is. So I bought it and drank it, and so I just feel like I drank my childhood and I feel good. <gasps> Hello everyone, welcome to Do You Queer. What I Queer. And that's Elliot. And that's Tom. And we're Dickwick.
2: Listen, we have some very special people with us.
1: Yes we do.
2: Yes we do. Please welcome mm-hmm. Dara and Makeda Hello. Hello,
3: thank Hi. you for having us. Thanks thank for, you coming. So much for coming.
2: This is so exciting.
1: We have the illustrious four-person talking Mm. zone. Yeah. So let's try to not talk over each other.
3: I don't
0: know if I can not talk over people. (laughs) I think it's culturally ingrained. (laughs) What's your culture? You know what? I support you, then. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know enough
1: to agree or disagree. I'm just, like, smiling. (laughs) I'm like, yes, definitely. All right, Sudbury. Thanks for joining us, Makeda and Dara. Thank you. Now, what we like to do Mm. to sort of open the ritual of this podcast is... Explaining how we're feeling today through a color. Yeah. Take that however you wish. Elliot, would you like to go first? Sure.
2: My color today is... I'm going to go with uh, the brightest possible shade of turquoise. Because... Um, last week I was getting some aquamarine vibes from you. Yeah, I was um, giving that to you, and I was like feeling in a bit of a low place, and I felt like Tom really helped me kind of take that on and take that calmness on. And by the time this comes out, I will have finished my thesis. <gasps> That's so I'm amazing. Trying to like future
1: project that feeling of happiness. I'm gonna future congratulate you right now for that. Thank you from future me to past me.
2: What, Tom? What's your color?
1: Uh, my color is um, is the color of tears. Oh. Whoa. <laughs> Oh why? Like um, it's it's it, it's transparent. Okay. But it's also deep and rich. Like it's a it's a color of of like mountain berry. Clearly Canadian. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Listen, I don't know. Like we're not sure. <laughs> All
1: right, here I'll tell you why. Okay. And I'm very like embarrassed of this story, but also proud. I don't know. Whatever. So. very busy but day at work. Every day is very busy. But I thought I was the only one left in my office. Mm -hmm. And um, sometimes to expel energy, I just um, start crying. (laughs) Like, I just break down in tears. And it's not what it seems. Like, it's just sort of a... It's my way of getting out energy, about getting out my anxiety. And then I I feel fine. So I started crying. And then it turns out my boss was was there she was like on the other side of the wall and so she came around the corner and here I am at my desk crying (laughs) and she was like are you okay what's going on and so I had to like wipe the tears away and be like no I'm actually fine like I know this (laughs) doesn't seem like I am but this is just something I do sometimes and she was like okay like you're a liability
3: (laughs) (laughs) and so I was really
1: embarrassed and I laughed which then made me e- made me seem a little bit even... More rupier. unhinged? And so I called Elliot immediately and was like, guess what just happened to me? Am I laughing or crying about this?
2: Uh, I also started crying today, so I feel like it was probably at the same time. We probably oh. like, equally affected each other. Um, I cried because I saw a video of a guy who found a baby goose on a lake and then raised it. And then uh-huh. that goose had a baby who we then also had to raise, and I just burst into tears. So I'm having a pretty emotional day.
0: I get that. Right? Yeah. Yeah.
2: A goose? Uh, a goose, yeah. Two two geese. Two baby to adult geese. Listen, it's so cute. Dada. Yeah,
0: my, my grandfather died a few weeks ago, which isn't funny. But uh, I was in the other room and my mom, whose father it was, I hear her sobbing in the other room and I'm like, oh God. And so I like hang up the phone with my friend. I'm like, I've got to run. My mother's in grief. And I go to her and she's just like watching her iPhone and she's like watching this thing about a baby gorilla dying. (laughs) She's like, I'm fine. I'm just watching the baby gorilla die. was like, you cannot do that today. (laughs) That's what Facebook's for, honestly. (laughs) leaping into your (laughs) phone.
1: Oh, I feel better after hearing both those. (laughs) Some weeping (laughs) stories. Just spontaneous weeping.
0: If you had to
2: put your day into a color, Dara, what would would your
0: color be? Oh, um, I think it would be like the color of green when the sun hits it. You know, like that goldy green that you get a lot in August. And it makes me very melancholy because the summer is ending and it's so beautiful. Yes, that's I my color. That. My heart
2: just like palpitated <laughs> when you said that. Yeah. yeah, that
1: resonates with me for sure. Yeah, yeah. I hate that color. I mean, I like
0: <laughs> it. But it's so it's beautiful like, and it so hurts sad. Me. Yeah, yeah.
2: I like smell fall. You know, when I think of that color.
0: No,
1: I'm yeah. not ready. <gasps> no.
2: McKaida, <laughs> no. <laughs> what's your color?
3: I think my color today would be um... a sort of burnt orange. Um. But also kind of the color of um, the sunrise on like kind of a foggy day Um, because, yeah, I've had a really inspiring kind of like uplifting week, um, but I've also been feeling really tired. So I think there's kind of this, yeah, there's something really bright about the feeling or the color and the feeling, um, but also a little bit... um,
1: it's dulled in a way.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we're all
1: meeting on a level right now.
2: It seems very complimentary. My turquoise may be a bit loud for the pack
1: right now. But you curbed that turquoise actually. You're really good at like taking energy. Yeah. You like curbed it once our colors were all a little bit more subdued. <laughs> I tried. I really do try. <laughs> As an acting teacher, I'm proud of you.
2: Listen, I all I want is your pride. <laughs> forever and always.
1: Um, let's get into this. I'm yeah, so excited please. that we have you two here. Um, Why don't you tell us how you came to be here?
0: Um, So I met Elliot, what was it, two weeks ago? Yeah. Three weeks ago? I think three weeks about that. At the March for Education, which was a demonstration on the lawn of Queens Park the Saturday after uh, Doug Ford announced that they were going to be rolling back the sex ed education um, from what is a pretty good, probably the one of the best in Canada, curriculums on sexuality education that was some cur- say in the world. Yeah, created in 2015, um, to a curriculum that was created in 1998. And yeah, exactly. So, so Elliot's shaking his head in rage, <laughs> and so too were we. Uh, Makeda and I work for an organization called Action Canada for Sexual Health and Rights, which. Uh, I guess the easiest way to explain what it is is to say that it's kind of, uh, well, it used to be Planned Parenthood Canada, and then they let go of the Planned Parenthood moniker, and then it merged with two other organizations. One was called Canadians for Choice, which was largely abortion advocacy in Canada, and the other was um, called Action Canada for Population Development that did all of the global advocacy for sexual health and rights. Wow. So... (coughs) that's the organization that Makeda and I work for and obviously sex ed is a huge part of our jobs because it is a silver bullet to ensure the rights that we work for and um, so our heads exploded and then we immediately started uh, well we were already working because we knew it was coming (laughs) with partner organizations and throughout Ontario Um, we're a national organization so uh, we were Try, you know, trying not to take too much uh, oxygen away from the Ontario-based organizations that work here. Right. But one of the things we really wanted to do was to help out with this demonstration. So we were like, we need to demonstrate. We need to do a, a big, 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 big protest. And then we f- we were working with a whole bunch of orgs, NGO type things like the Five Nineteen and you know Planned Parenthood Toronto, all mm-hmm.
3: these
0: awesome organizations. And then we found out that actually. A bunch of youth were gonna make a demonstration, and they had already done it. <laughs> and the Facebook page was up, and I was like, the kids are all right. <laughs> you know?
1: yeah.
2: I was blown away by that. Yeah. I know. year they I were, love that. Like,
0: sweet, young, brilliant kids. I don't wanna condescend, mm-hmm. but, um, and it was largely like the work of two or three high school students that brought that big March for Education. They called themselves the March for Education, they just like came up with a name, and then we were like, great, let's support these guys. Wow! And so then I was one of the speakers, but and so were the other orgs, org types.
1: So they, these students reached out to you, is that right?
0: No, we were like, Facebook, <laughs> like, <laughs> guys, it's on.
1: <laughs> we are
2: coming to this.
0: Yeah, like we're coming to this and we're going to like give the full weight of oh, whatever right. we can yeah. to support it as well.
2: I was utterly moved to tears by your speech at the, at the March for Education. It was so phenomenal.
0: You're kind. Thank you. <laughs>
2: You know, like as soon as you were done, I was like, "Is it selfish to go give you a business card?" Because I feel like mm-hmm. I need you to come talk on this podcast. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so what
1: was it, Elliot, about the speech?
2: It was It was centered around your child, right? Yeah. I, I, I don't want to speak for you. Would you be okay with like going into it?
0: Yeah. So I uh, I'm a parent as well as a person who works for this organization, and um, my kid is like definitely gender creative. <laughs> like he is n- not like gender is hundred percent fluid for him at this stage. And, I mean, his gender presentation is such that he can't stop himself from having more feminine expressions um, because God knows he's tried because he's bullied all the damn time. And... How
1: old is he? Just...
0: He's five. He's, five. he's, five. he's going to be six in a couple months. Bullied
1: at five. Oh, yeah. For that, wow. For fuck's sake!
0: Oh, yeah. Okay. And he was really protected when he was in uh, preschool and daycare. Because mm. we, sent, we sent him to a really great preschool and daycare. And (coughs) then you went to, like, public school, and that's when it all went to shit.
2: If only we had better education, right? Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and that was with the curriculum, but I guess it doesn't start at age five, or it should, anyhow. Mm -hmm. So I've had to be sort of, like, a bit of an advocate for him um, going forward, and, like, the thought... So the sex ed curriculum rollback hit me in, like, a really personal way, too, because I am fiercely protective of my kid and, uh, fail all the time at protecting him. So there's like actually no way for us, my partner as well, like we just don't know how to, um, keep this shit away from our kid the homophobia the transphobia and he doesn't even know who the fuck he is yet yeah, you know seriously. he's yeah. five all we know is that like he shouldn't
1: be made to feel bad for something he doesn't understand yeah no,
0: all we know is that he likes to memorize musicals yeah. and like wear nail polish and play with princess dolls yeah. like that's the extent of his gender
1: right
3: you know And I think that's the thing that's so um, important to talk about too. It's not just people who identify as queer and trans and non-binary that are going to be affected um, negatively by the sex ed rollback, but um, it's also people who are perceived to be right. Who don't fit into um, you know, the gender binary or like gender norms even, or gender stereotypes. Um, And yeah, they, it's, that's what's so interesting about this, too, I think, is that it's not just um, like gender stereotypes and gender norms and the restrictiveness of them affects everybody.
2: Yeah. 100%. And it's like, and if things don't <coughs> speak out against queer phobia, then it's like implicit in society or tacit knowledge, and then it gets reproduced and it's affecting young people who then become queer phobic themselves because they're internalizing this hatred. And if they only learned early on that that's not the right thing to do and there's another way to be, everyone would be better for it like it fully affects everyone in society
3: yeah and that internalization is really it's like it's internalizing this kind of fear that's like all-encompassing right it's like Mm -hmm. fear of fear of being perceived as bad or negative or less than um and that fear is I, i think some people sort of brush it off like oh well you know how is it that fear actually impacts you but it impacts you because you feel like you have to be completely invisible Mm -hmm. Um, I think for me um, one of the things that speaks really personally to me about this um, sex ed regression is that um, I went to like I grew up in the 90s in Toronto um, and I come from a queer family um, and you know I often had to be on the front lines of my classroom um, and an advocate for, um, for my family. And My parents also had to be an advocate for a family um, with teachers who was the first time they were encountering somebody with uh, two moms. Um, and even things like you know forms back then didn't have uh, parents or guardians. They had mother and father. And the amount of times that we had to cross out Father and right mother was just like wow messed. So yeah, I think that um, I think about um, I think about a lot of the the queer spawn as we as we call them <laughs> in my community, um, and I think about how they uh, they know that their families might be queer or trans from the time that they're four or five, you know, mm. they're entering school and. Um, they they also know at that time usually that a lot of um that there's homophobia and transphobia um, and they're affected by that and um yeah so this whole idea of like things being not age appropriate when you are discovering your gender at age four and uh you're you know you come from queer and trans families it's just like ridiculous yeah
2: and like (laughs) (laughs) Kim
1: I just uh, the other side of the coin for me which I don't know if you can speak to or not but it's like yes part of the curriculum and their education is to help affirm their uh, mm-hmm. identity but on the other side it's to help those bully these these other children who are for whatever reason probably from their parents mm-hmm. think that it's okay to you know, act aggressively towards these stu- the education is for them probably more than anyone.
0: I mean like exactly. that aggression is a gender presentation as well, right? Yeah, like 100%. that is that is a a negative aspect of masculinity that those kids have learned and internalized and are per- performing. Yeah. So Yes. Yeah, like and just like negative gender presentations, any kind of fucking gender binary bullshit. It's just and it, it requires one thing that Sebastian and I are learning is like as we go to Sorry, that's my partner. As we go to uh, teachers and we ask them to do something about the bullying that our kid is suffering through, coming home crying all the time, um, they're always their response is, well, we're not
3: teaching that, you know? And I'm like, you're not teaching okay. against it. <laughs> right? right. Yeah, and it's just about like it's it's about teaching inclusion and empathy and how to also yeah how to challenge systems of discrimination and oppression like homophobia and transphobia um, and heterosexism and sexism. Um, and you're absolutely right. It's in the the 2015 uh, curriculum. There are specific um, elements of the curriculum that uh, do talk about homophobia specifically and discrimination um and in the 1998 curriculum um there is nothing the thing that comes close is like learning how to um respect others opinions
1: which is not not even close to good enough because no we're not gonna uh respect hatred opinions of hatred like, and as right. though, like
2: gender expressions and opinions.
1: yeah exactly like it's, it's, no yeah. It, that's not okay that language is is dead 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 yeah. exactly and
0: like what you're saying right like can we talk about this bullshit which is like other people's opinions are valid because one of the things that's the strength the bedrock of our organization is that we're everything we do comes from a human rights uh framework mm-hmm. and from a framework of human rights no not all opinions are valid right um, and in the specific case of sex ed, and I mentioned this in my spea- in my speech, um, the c- idea that there is sort of like a big argument, a big debate happening in Canada right now is totally fallacious. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about totally. C-CAN. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: Sorry, <laughs> not to put you on the <laughs> <line>. spot. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, I'm really here good. to bring data. Yeah, it's <laughs> really good. Um, so, yeah, in 2014, um, Ccan, which is the Sex Information Education Council of Canada, Um, put out a report where um, uh, basically they surveyed parents um, in this research, this big research project, and um, it turns out that 94% of parents in Ontario agree that sex ed should be taught in schools. Shocking. Yeah.
0: So there is no big other group of parents who are so terrified of sex ed. I think the majority of people who voted for Ford still want their daughters not to get pregnant. And still, like, want their kids to get right. good education. Right. Like, right. Want their
1: sons to learn about consent. Yeah. Like, yeah. come on. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, people get like I think they've grossly overstepped. That's my personal opinion.
1: I mean, I'll get behind
2: that. Obviously, I couldn't <laughs> yeah. agree more. Very valid.
3: Yeah, and I think that um, it's. I mean, it's fear mongering. Really, that's that's happened. I think it's it's, um, and it actually like. You know the, the 2015 curriculum in ontario is is good um but it's actually not like the best it could be right like mm-hmm. so it's um and it's it's interesting because when you actually read it some of the the things that get sort of blown up i'd say in the media and also by like forward supporters actually are like one thing as an optional prompt and you know as an organization we're like no we want you to be talking about that more right, like, right. we want you to be talking about um like pleasure more right mm-hmm. um but yeah
0: yeah and that's the other side of it right pleasure
3: yeah <laughs> like, what does
0: it mean no to room sex? for pleasure and sex yeah Come on. well sex positivity is like so absent from children's yeah and you can't. I,
3: I think that it's really hard also to talk about. Um, I think that consent and pleasure are also linked, um, right? Because um, I think that oftentimes folks that are socialized as girls and women, um, we're uh, often taught that our pleasure in a sexual experience isn't um, isn't a priority. Um, and then so... I think that it becomes harder for um, sort of really meaningful consent to to happen, um, specifically when there's like a power dynamic between the genders. So if it's a, a, a young girl hooking up, or a young woman hooking up with a young man, um, it's, it's, you know, if you're not enjoying what's happening but you're also, you've also been taught that your pleasure is not of great importance then it makes it harder to to practice meaningful consent
2: absolutely and like that's what kind of has emerged around the me too movement I think is this really ambiguous uh, center gray area where women are saying well I didn't feel like I gave consent and then they're in these situations where society saying well implicitly you did or mm-hmm. you may have But it's like well but during the act I didn't feel as though this is what I had signed up for right mm-hmm. and there's no room for that in this discourse it's so black and white and it's we don't respect these opinions and we need to be
1: learning about this from a young age yeah we need to learn about this right away
0: and pleasure is at the heart of it like Makeda is saying because how can you give enthusiastic consent when you're all the messages that you've had around sex and your own sexuality and your own sex feelings are ones that are fear like fear laced yeah (laughs) for real Mm -hmm. uh, it's impossible not to have those early especially early like in childhood sexual experiences also be coupled coupled with like fear and anxiety yeah um and so like if this we is taught children about sexuality from a younger age you'd have a lot less assault and trauma
2: 100 percent. Right. this is the fulcrum of this entire quote-unquote debate is that as soon as people think you're talking about pleasure or know that someone's going to start talking about pleasure it's the whole save our children the whole like family values backlash and for my my research paper that i'm writing i was looking into the kind of rise of that and scholars think they've traced it to around the 70s when anita bryant um, struck down the florida uh, gay rights bill i think it was 77 and she started the save our children movement based upon this kind of fallacious idea that if you let queer people in or if you let any sort of sexual pleasure that it's non-heteronormative into a discourse then it's for some reason anti-children and the children are going to be swayed and all these scholars are like but do you also realize that you're saying that this pleasure is so desirable that kids are going to want to do it like why are we protecting them from something that they might want to engage in like it just doesn't make sense you know
3: so, it's also the, the forever linking of um, like queerness and queer identity to sex and nothing else mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right and that's like That's again, it goes back to my sort of um, just kind of like disbelief, not actual disbelief, but like it goes back for me to like queer and trans families and like coming from a queer family. And like it when when people say, oh, kids shouldn't be learning about that, meaning like queerness or whatever at a, you know, at a young age, it's like. What does that mean? Is yeah, that like if your mothers my family? are reduced to intercourse? Like, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. That's yeah, 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 for sure. And then reduced not just to, to sex, but also like then that's negative, right? Yeah. right. Totally. Cause, yeah.
2: Exactly. Because then it makes queer people not want to talk about the sex because they think they're playing back into some sort of stereotype. Wow. Right? Can I wow. just put
3: a fact out yeah.
0: there Please. for everybody to know and for everybody who's listening to this podcast to proliferate? Kids who get better, sex positive comprehensive sexuality education it is proved again and again that they will have sex later in life there's lots of data that supports that
2: listen back that up listen to it five more times (laughs) they
0: will start (laughs) fucking later so true like i didn't
1: have like personally i didn't have sex ed at all in catholic school nothing i had one woman come in in grade four and showed me what a penis was on a doll. And so, of course, wait, wait, wait. like... On a dog? On a dog! <laughs> on a dog. I was like, wait, I don't understand.
2: That makes more sense. <laughs> oh, dear God, that class... <laughs> sorry, I'm from Sudbury. That's totally something wrong.
1: That is what happened? Yeah. It was um, the
2: dog showing us. Continue, sorry.
1: Right. No, I did mean... So I was sexually active very early because it's, it's something I didn't know and I was really curious about. And so my only outlet, maybe to your point, was to engage.
0: Right.
2: Mm-hmm. Which I was incredibly
1: out. dangerous when I was twelve or thirteen, not knowing what I was getting into. Oh man!
0: <laughs> <laughs> totally yeah.
1: same, yeah.
0: Yeah, and like I'm, I, I'm all for sex positivity. But if you ask me personally, like, I don't want, as a mom, like, I don't want my kid to start having sex when he's really young. Mm-hmm. I like right. want his frontal lobes to be as developed as possible. I'm not going to, like, say that it's going to be terrible if he starts having sex young. I'm not going to shame him for it, but of course. I would like him to have more emotional maturity and for him not to, like, think that the first time he has sex that he has fallen madly in love right. and that, like,
3: yeah. you know, knew- the world rests on this. If I was
1: informed, and- I would have made different decisions, <laughs> I guess is what my point is. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah and that's the key right is like giving it's also like do we not think very highly of our children and youth that um you know that with information they'll make like choices that are right for them in the moment like that yeah it feels to me like um I mean, I'm really glad that youth are and students are getting up in arms and organizing these massive protests and everything because it's it's yeah, it's kind of like an insult to kids and youth, too. Right. Yeah, definitely. Where are their
2: voices in this entire quote unquote debate? Right.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. And getting back to uh, what we were saying earlier about um, the fact that this is positioned a lot of the time in the media as like the mainstream media, I'll say, as um a debate of opinions, like equal opinions, mm-hmm. is just—it's false um, equivalency. Fuck mm-hmm. that shit. Yeah, yeah, because it's.
1: Sorry, I'm jumping on you. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm it's just good. So, so <laughs> enraged as a teacher.
3: Yeah, yeah, because it's it it makes me feel enraged as well. Um, because it's it's not uh, you know an equal opinion versus another equal opinion. It's actually like we're talking about people's lives mm-hmm. and well-being and health. Um, and and harm. when and yeah, when we when we leave out information um, around queer and trans identities, um, when we don't give kids the tools, um, students the tools to challenge homophobia, um, challenge discrimination and oppression, um, then really we're, we're causing harm and contributing to harm, and that's and that is a violation of human rights.
0: You yes. be amazed at how often we have to explain that. Like, all the damn time. Like, even when it comes to, like, people flying queer flags. Okay, so here's a great example. The city of Ottawa, up until this year, flew this fucking anti-choice flag um, every year, one day a year, for March for Life. When well, like the Where c- in Ottawa? Like, the city hall. What? Yeah, the city of Ottawa declared, um, like, a pro-life day fucking oh choice piece Oh, dear. Of sorry, am I allowed to swear on this? Oh, my yes. God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please. <laughs> oh, I'm completely I should right. i thought of that. This is probably confused why it's so <laughs> clean yeah, so far. Yeah, exactly. When we challenged the mayor of Ottawa, who, he's gay, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is I a gay man. Actually, I don't know if he's out. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's out now. I don't want to out, him.
1: Um... Jesse, check check (laughs) us
0: When we asked the mayor of Ottawa to explain that, uh, he was said, "Well, we uh, we fly the pride flag. Oh, you know, when a group wants something like this, this is an opposite opinion, and so we have to like explain to the mayor of Ottawa, not just like you know the people who read the Sun." But like the mayor of Ottawa, the difference between human rights and not human rights, the difference between an opinion that's active goal is to hurt and harm people that like results in death uh, and something that does nothing but fucking help people exist and
2: support their lives. I can't enthusiastically nod my head more right now (laughs) like I'm just like a (laughs) bobblehead.
3: and there was uh, a march that happened in Ottawa I think the weekend before the March for Education Mm -hmm. in Toronto Um, and it was organized by um, young folks as well, um, young activists and uh, the slogan the slogan for that march was sex ed saves lives and I know that's like a hashtag that's been trending around the internet but yeah and uh it's it's true right like it prevents bullying homophobic transphobic bullying harassment um and yeah it it saves lives because we know that we also know from research that um bullying and harassment and specifically uh like gender-based uh or homophobic transphobic um bullying and harassment leads to um really negative health outcomes like
2: and clearly people know the transformative nature of education because why are you worried about your s- kids learning it? Like, that doesn't even really make sense to me. You know, why are people <laughs> even concerned about this being taught? People can still be flat earthers, yet you're not going to let them not teach fucking <laughs> history or geography. Like, it doesn't even make sense to me. I don't understand the, the equivalency in that.
0: It's sex. <laughs>
2: uh, so frustrating.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's, it's also, like, political...
2: Mm-hmm. It's a basement platform. It's right? political currency. Yeah.
0: Anytime sex is brought up in politics, anytime women's bodies or trans bodies or queer bodies are like dragged through political spaces and propped up in this degrading, fetishistic way, mm-hmm. people get voted because, you know, you get these. Because like, you have to protect the children. Well, whatever that means. People salvate and they don't understand that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and I think if they. It's people a really like basic, fetishistic kind of thing.
3: But I also think it's something even more terrifying. And I think we see it with, um, with Trump and we see it with Ford. But it's like this... Uh, if somebody in a position of power um, spews hatred, then it gives other people license mm-hmm. to like, not feel like they have to hide their own expressions yes. of that same hatred yes
0: it's already just to take it back to the sex ed curriculum it is already emboldening other conservative provinces to renege on promises that they well i'll just say it like manitoba was poised to um what's the word not renew um update update their sexuality education curriculum and then Doug did what he did, and then the news that we got out of our associate organizations in Manitoba is that that ain't happening anymore. Oh my god. So, it's going to embolden these right-wing provinces, of which there are a lot now in Canada, um, to take more virulent anti-stances. Oh
3: my yeah. god. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a great time, Tom.
2: <laughs> Don't take a drink. Have a back. <laughs> oh. um.
0: Tom's crying. <laughs> For the... <laughs>
2: For all of you at home, um, this might be a good time to talk about some tangible things that we can do as activists, or how do we how do we drown out this noise, or how do we combat this? Th-
1: thank you for taking that away from me because I was <laughs> about to scream and throw the microphone.
2: <laughs> how do we help?
3: I'm looking. I'm I'm sort of looking to our campaigns officer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was looking to you
0: because I was going to start with. Beyond the basics, in mm. some ways, like let's start like with yeah. the individual.
3: Okay, yeah. So, so at Action Canada um, for sexual health and rights, we um, one of the ways that we work is we uh, we think about change as happening um, or a way to sort of influence change um, as as happening at the individual level and at the systems level. Um, so we try to work at both both of those different levels to basically affect. Uh, positive change Um, and one of the things that we have done um, in actually in 2017 September so it's coming up about a year ago we launched uh, beyond the basics which is its third edition um, and it's a resource for educators teaching sexuality education um, and it's based on the highest international standards of comprehensive sex ed Um, and we uh, we would like in an ideal world for um, Beyond the Basics to get into the hands of as many teachers as possible um, so that they can be um, teaching their students from a place of feeling both like they have the knowledge and the confidence to teach topics like um, gender identity, gender expression, sexual orientation, um, consent, and uh, healthy relationships, uh, STIs, and pregnancy options, um, as well as actually uh, like anatomy and reproduction in a, a non-gendered ways. Another thing that we do and beyond the basics. Anyways, we we really um, yeah we like for we. I mean, I guess in a, the most ideal world, we would like for um, governments to have policies that um, make it so that teachers uh, have to teach the highest. Like gold standard of sex ed, um, and uh, yeah, beyond the basics can help um, sort of an interim when that is not necessarily the policy. Maybe isn't there? At least teachers who want to use it and teach the best sex ed they can 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 do that with this resource. So
1: where can we get this resource?
3: You can get it at uh, so www action canada s h r dot org slash beyond the basics so basically our organization's website um and then there's a tab for beyond the basics and uh you can <coughs> purchase it there
2: amazing we'll link that on our social media yeah so, everyone can easily so
1: access uh, that. if i were to because per- i work at a mm-hmm. number of different schools across the city if i were to just get these books and pass them out to teachers <laughs>
0: Well, they're a bit expensive, so you probably wouldn't be able just to like pass them out like candy, but they're, they're <laughs> very
3: big. So um, it's actually over with both. There's two books um, with both books combined. It's like a thousand, a little over a thousand pages. So just to give you. <laughs> so I can give <laughs>
1: principals flyers. <laughs> to be yes. yes, yes, <laughs> to <laughs> yeah. yes,
0: but as an educator yourself and like one of the things that um, really enlightened me while watching Makeda write this book, Book next to me for a year (laughs) um, was that um, you know it's not just for teachers who have the sex ed curriculum in their their lesson plans. It's for any educator because this stuff comes up all the time when you're talking to young kids. And how wonderful would it be if like the drama teacher and the English teacher and the math teacher can incorporate uh, sexuality lessons? Yeah, yeah. Some of the the
1: best teachers that I work with in the classroom have. Uh, It's sort of catching on across the city from what I can see is they have um, anonymous question time. Mm. And so throughout the week, students can write down a question for whatever they want. Mm -hmm. And then the teacher will draw it and they'll sort of address it to the class and they'll have a frank and open discussion about it. Having said that, like, I know maybe there's not enough of these grade A teachers they would benefit probably from this beyond the basics Mm -hmm. because I feel like just a regular teacher who teaches grade eight is not as tuned in as, as we want them to be. Um, Which is why this Mm -hmm. rollback is so devastating because we're making steps forward. We really were like, I just, you know, I graduated teacher's college only a few years ago and this was like something that we really focused on. And it's one of the few things I took away from that year, really holding like, Okay this is mm-hmm. this is something the education system cares about and this is something that I now care about not now but mm. yeah I want to help these grade A teachers of yeah. such a formative mm-hmm. age and I see them and I'm with them and mm-hmm. I want to help them more, not mm-hmm. deter them. Like I think every
0: gay teacher I know feels that way. Yeah, (laughs) and I feel like there is like a great community of like queer teachers Mm -hmm. who are now out. They were never out when I was a kid, Mm
3: -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. in their Mm -hmm.
0: classrooms, Um, and they're like finding ways to put these kinds of holistic, um, comprehensive lessons into whatever they do. And then they're they always talk to me about like these other teachers that they work with who are not. They're not not on side. Yeah. yeah, they,
3: that's just what, yeah. they just don't feel supported.
0: They don't yeah. feel like they know enough to engage the subject. And I mm-hmm. think there's
3: there's that group of teachers that has such great intentions too. like they want to be teaching these subjects to the best of their abilities to do their, you know, queer and trans students really well, I mm-hmm, think. Mm-hmm. Um, and and other students too, right? They just want to do the best for them that they possibly can and yet feel like, oh, I don't have enough information to teach that.
1: Sometimes they don't know that an open discussion is, it might be good enough.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Might be. Yeah, and I think another thing that Beyond the Basics does well is that we, like, it is a really large resource, um, but the first two chapters are really focused on um, sort of the core principles of, of the book. So, um, and really, um, actually, we will be doing a webinar this fall, too, that focuses on those those core principles so that people, um, you know, we hope that they will buy the book, but even if they don't, they at least have sort of these Core principles to move forward with, and and to teach subjects they might not feel like they had enough information on. I or. need to know about that. <laughs> <Pardon>? <laughs> I need to know about that. You'll okay. have to follow up. Yeah, like I learn a lot
0: from this book. all the Yeah, time. cool, great, amazing. <laughs> yeah, like me and my friends, like we're like we have questions about contraception, and then we like open the book and we read the grade eight curriculum. That's right. <laughs> it's great. I just wow. want to say,
1: like, I don't know why, but shame that your child is having that experience in <laughs> SK or whatever mm-hmm. yeah. a teacher's main job at that level is to foster and promote a safe and inclusive space for their students so any you should be taking every precaution to make sure that that's a necessity
0: yeah I'm trying to uh, force them to do mandatory training for all of their yes. teachers at my yes. kids school but even that is such a freaking uphill battle battle i'm right. literally a professional advocate yeah. <laughs> and it's hard for me to get it done wow. and that's just one school right yeah so, like think of like when you think of the s- size and scale of the task at hand it's herculean mm-hmm. and my kid has me and my partner as parents right i'm thinking about the kids what happens in sudbury what or, happens in yeah. sudbury right yeah. and yeah, what yeah, happens yeah. like tons of toronto teachers have signed uh things that have said they're not going to stop teaching sex ed and thank god just this week the elementary school teachers federation um said that they that's the union that they would vigorously defend any teacher who maybe gets in trouble with their employer for teaching to the best of their standards to the best of their ethical professional standards thank Mm -hmm. heavens that they did that So one of the things, and speaking of action items, one of the things that we have produced in this last week is some really strong information that talks about, like, the College of Teachers, what the professional standards of education are for them, and how teachers are actually compelled um, to follow the Human Rights Act of Ontario. Um, One of the analogies that I often use is, can you imagine if politicians were telling doctors to teach 20-year-old outdated medicine like a really
2: good analogy yeah think
0: of the insanity at the base of that and and teachers are a self-regulating profession as you know yeah there is a college there are standards of practice Mm -hmm. there's a Human Rights Act of Ontario that they are beholden to and so there's a lot of legal and policy backing that supports teachers in spite of what a conservative politician might say they have to do and so and then there's the other aspect of this, which is individuals have the right to have their, um, their human rights defended through the uh, Human Rights Tribunal. And we just saw the amazing news about six families moving forward with human rights um, complaints. And to be honest, the Human Rights Tribunal is pretty simple to use. Really? Yeah.
2: That's really good to know. Yeah,
0: some of our partner organizations have created a, like, a really simple cheat sheet Of how to go about filing a human rights complaint and if you're the parent of a trans child if you're the parent of a a gay child um, I would and you're listening to this like check it out it might not be as complicated a process as you think and even if you don't end up um, finding a remedy through that process think of what it would feel like when the government gets slapped with (laughs) hundreds of human rights tribunal complaints that they have to answer to
2: I can't believe Mm. you have to talk about upholding human rights. Like,
1: that doesn't even really make sense to me right now. But here we are. It's at the core of what a teacher must do. Mm -hmm. It's teach humanity and empathy, Mm -hmm. especially at these young ages. Like, especially. I don't understand why. It's it's so important. It's the most important. What (laughs) on earth else are you teaching?
3: Tom, I'm so sorry you've had
2: such a week. (laughs) And then to go into this (laughs) at the end of it. Um, No. Uh, What would you say to people who can put outside pressure on, like people who don't know educators or aren't educators, like how Mm -hmm. might the me's of this situation go about helping?
0: Um, I can try and feel this one Mm -hmm. a bit. Um, So you're already, obviously, (laughs) doing quite a lot (laughs) personally. Um, But I think that uh, combating, like using the facts that are available to all of us, to each of us, Educating yourselves, speaking to your friends and neighbors, combating the myth that there is like a large group of people, that this is a massive debate, I think really helps. And then there's the obvious steps um, for me, which are writing letters to your MPP. That's a big one. Mm -hmm. And in this particular instance, I think the conservative caucus, like I've worked in politics a long time, and I think that the conservative um, caucus has realized that they've overstepped. And that they realize that they have done something which is going to anger a lot of parents that just voted them into power, right? I don't yeah. think that this was as much a part of the mandate that they were given as they realized.
1: That's interesting. I So I'd I think they can that. really
0: scare the shit out of them.
1: Let's do that.
0: Yeah, and they haven't done anything yet, actually. That's the other thing that your listeners should know. There's been political announcements, but there has been no memo from the Ministry of Education given down to the Boards of Education. Oh. the school boards so in the absent like basically you've had the minister and her flunkies um, declare that this is going to get rolled back mm-hmm. and, but nothing like the ministry itself is in complete Chaos, disarray, disorganization. As it must be. Yeah, because they haven't actually told teachers or school boards what the hell they mean by that. Right. My,
1: my friends who are teachers are desperately downloading and making copies of these <laughs> um, of the curriculum of documents, documents. <laughs> because it. they're worried that it'll just be
3: s- struck, like s- taken off the website, which wow.
1: we're assuming will happen at any point.
3: Here's the thing, too: is like I think this actually has given the a lot of the confusion that's surrounding this announcement has given um i think an opening for the school boards to push back as well because and so i think it's up to like 27 school boards have um have basically uh said that we're not we're going to continue teaching the 2050 or they've either said Um, They've just given their support, basically, Mm -hmm. to say, like, you know, if teachers with this lack of clarity in terms of what you you expect from us, um, teachers can just teach, you know, what they know from the 2015 curriculum to the best of their abilities. And um, like that, basically, school boards are upset by Mm -hmm. um, by this announcement. We would Um,
0: prefer they make a principled statement mm -hmm. in defense of. Students' human rights as right. rights bearers, instead of just saying, "Well, we're confused, so we can't yeah. deal with this directive." Mm-hmm. But we would r- rather them say, "This is a directive we can't follow because we believe in education." Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think
3: it's a it's a, m- a window, right? So that like it's almost like I feel like the general mm-hmm. public opinion is is on side, and that's the window. So yeah, we do want school boards to take a more mm-hmm. um, principled stance and some of them have and um
0: Toronto was one of those to give you a sense there's about 70 school boards in Ontario and about like Makeda said almost 30 have made some sort of statement that they're not able to follow this directive or Mm -hmm. or that the directive is contrary to their principles
3: Including a Catholic school board. One. Amazing. One. <laughs> One. Better than none. <laughs> Keep on trucking. Okay. <laughs> but not, I mean, that, that statement wasn't so much of a principled stance, but it, you know, it was, it, wasn't it, really it was inside. a push, They're trying uh, they're to stay relevant
1: back. as a school board at this point. Uh.
3: Yeah, d- don't get me started on the yes. Catholic schools. <laughs> <laughs> Let's yeah. not get
1: each other started. <laughs> I want to... Public Fund day? Okay, sorry. No, no, no. no <laughs> um, it's not switching gears too much, but I want to
2: know, um, personally, as a parent, what would you say to other parents um, experiencing a child who is gender non-normative in any sense, or queer? Because um, the narrative I hear a lot is that parents tend to push back against other parents and make them feel like not good parents. And I was just wondering, how do you navigate that, or what would you say?
0: I'm going to paraphrase a... Uh, I took a... A little class on um, sex positive parenting recently that was amazing and um, I one of the things she said that was really cute was she was like, you know how like there are those kids and they come out of the womb and they're gay and then you spend the next 10 years pretending they're not gay <laughs> and, <laughs> and then it's like not a surprise that they're gay. <laughs> she was like, yeah, and anyway, yeah, that was just a key part of what she was talking about. But <laughs> That kind of like opened my mind up because it's like, oh yeah, like if I could parent with the bias, like just assuming that my child is queer mm-hmm. and then if they're not, like who cares? But like it's way better better to err on that side as a parent than not Um, so that kind of flipped the way I was thinking a bit and then I asked a question about my kid and I asked about like gender creative children and like how you deal with the world outside of your home like Mm -hmm. even if you're trying to create a really positive space like how how do you deal with like the fact that you want to kill all the other kids (laughs) you have all this hatred for the five-year-old who's telling your kid not to wear a princess band-aid to school um and and she was like no, I would, I would want to kill that kid too. <laughs> and she's like, I think that the strongest thing that you can do as a parent is demonstrate to your child that you are a lion at their backs. That you will fight for them. Wow. Um, and that you will be as fierce as possible. Let them see you do that. Let them know how much you have their backs. Um, when they're still too young to be able to fight themselves and that you don't want to teach them to be competitive with their lives because this is who they are but they need to know that you are there for them as parents and um, so like and, and you don't have to be like a queer parent or mm-hmm. you just have to, just like to do
1: the research
0: it's <laughs> out there just just defend your kid yeah. vigorously vocally not mm-hmm. politely mm-hmm. like yeah. if somebody's if some kids or some parent says some bullshit to your child in the schoolyard like, let your child see you get angry, so that they know that that isn't right. That, that is an unacceptable thing to do or say.
2: It's an amazing lesson. Mm.
1: I want to. I have a question about something very specific. It was about something I read a few weeks ago, and it was trying to start teaching uh, children at a very very young age <coughs> that um, the female, that femininity, is not lesser than. Mm. Because I feel like as as a little uh um, male identifying child to you know wear princess dresses or have band-aids or like the color pink it's sort of like in all the children's heads that that's that means you're lesser than you're lesser than a man therefore you're lesser than a person and i wonder what that's i think that that's the stem of where the bullying comes from i wonder if
0: Like, misogyny. Yeah, Yeah. right. Misogyny. Mm -hmm.
3: Is (laughs) that what that's called? (laughs) Wait, let me talk (laughs) for five more
1: minutes around the point, (laughs) and then you can just (laughs) nail the word. (laughs) But if we can start, like, dismantling what, like, what these, like, what it, what gender norms are from Mm -hmm. age three and JK and age four, age two, even, and that you can like whatever you like, and you can play with whoever you want to play with, Mm -hmm. then and and that like female heroes are just as exciting and powerful as male heroes we're just more starting to exciting see that more powerful more yeah so yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> just gonna true say. yeah of course yeah and we're starting to see that in the media thank god but mm-hmm. i don't know what do you yeah it's all
0: yeah. messed
3: up <laughs> yeah i think that's hugely important i think that um yeah how do you it, it's interesting because I'm not a parent um, so I, I don't can't speak to that perspective but I think um, that sometimes we think that maybe dismantling these huge systems of oppression um, with kids or like helping kids dismantle them um, is like this really complicated thing when actually I think sometimes it's really um, a little bit more simple than we than we mm-hmm. think um, and it's It's like in the smallest moments. Um, And it's almost as if sometimes kids, like really young kids too, will um, just like mimic something they heard once. Um, And then if we actually are able to like interrupt that um, and say something different or like, oh, did you think about it this way? Or, oh, what do you think about this? Um, And put it back to them they will i feel like often um sort of give you something that's so brilliant mm-hmm. and like so thoughtful and totally sort of void of bias right mm-hmm. and like um again it goes back to that point of like i feel like so often we do not give kids and youth enough uh credit 100 mm-hmm. like, they're so smart <laughs> yeah. yeah and they are so intuitive and um yeah also really like accepting and inclusive from the start if you give them the 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 kind of tools to encourage Mm -hmm. that totally and to your point about misogyny
0: i think that one of the disservices that i notice around some like you know liberal feminists is actually that they try and stigmatize femininity as being really bad Mm -hmm. like you know a feminist girl is a strong girl is a girl who doesn't like girly frilly shit you know who doesn't buy into princess narratives and stuff and so that's actually working like against my son as well as their daughters because allowing them to like an ex- like, trying to erase gender norms is an exercise in insanity in this world. <laughs> 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 but harmful gender norms are actually, like, really at the heart of so much violence, so much patriarchy, so much yes. of this of the world's ills is about harmful gender norms and gender binary. So, you know, I mean, it's it's a complicated thing to explain to educators, to parents, mm-hmm. like, what gender is, how it's constructed and like how you know, just forcing your child not to play with Barbies isn't, this, isn't th- all that does is stigmatize and make girly shit seem like it's somehow evil.
2: Absolutely, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna mm-hmm. say this like, as an anthropologist, like a, a cross-cultural perspective is so important in this because it's, like, it, it's historically contingent on Western ideals and there is a history mm-hmm. to this binary. Like, there is something that we have ingrained in ourselves for like, honestly not that long in terms of history or in terms of human history, and there are cultures that have three genders and have, and have genders that are non-binary. And it's like, it, it doesn't have to be this way. There's nothing natural. It's just, it's a practiced ideology that we just re-ingrain in our children's minds. I was yeah. dancing
0: with a friend of mine, uh, a dude, this past weekend and he was, you know, letting it out, and he was raised in Nova Scotia, and he was saying uh, he wasn't allowed, he could not dance until he was in his 20s, like, until he left his home, he did, was not able to dance, you know? Because it
2: was, like, not masculine, or? Not
0: masculine enough, right? Like, and I feel like there's a lot of North American dudes out there who yeah. are just...
2: Doing a handshake on the floor.
0: Yeah, and then, so you have this, like, kind of, like, feminist dogma... Uh, attacking femininity and then you have men attacking femininity and really what you need is both genders to be able to embrace the feminine and the masculine yeah Yeah, and it's
3: also so 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 related it's like so related to mental health too Mm -hmm. right because um i just think about such a classic um way that Femininity is like disparaged in our culture is associating emotion with and the display of emotion and particularly the display of like sad emotion or tears with femininity and then devaluing that, mm-hmm. right? So then um, like women are allowed to feel more or people who are socialized as women mm-hmm. are allowed to feel more um, feelings a- and kind of a more of a range of feelings mm-hmm. and then people who are socialized as guys um, aren't and like what does that do to prison like yeah I well People I can imagine have heart attacks I, can't <laughs> imagine. Right? I can sort of imagine because sometimes like I've had to work hard at even like I remember as a kid I was called sensitive a lot because I cried really easily and I've had to work at and then I kind of got like tough quote-unquote tough so that I wouldn't cry as often openly and then I had to really learn how to like unlearn that Mm -hmm. and it and it i I can't imagine what it's like for folks who are socialized as boys or men
2: it's like deprogramming someone in a cult honestly like it's just these neural pathways are so ingrained you know and like not to be that person but i always am that person capitalism has a huge thing Mm -hmm. to to play in this because like there's an essay that gail rubin wrote called the traffic in women and it she traces the the subordination of women uh to like a, a market driven capital ideology wherein men went to work uh, and the capitalist had to figure out the the livable wage for that m- male but also had to take into account that the wife would do the cooking and the cleaning and therefore he could shave off some of some of the dollars because that kind of uh, that surplus value mm-hmm. like as Marxist ideologists says was was done by the woman in the domestic sphere so there was actually like a a very um, A very active subordination of I guess like feminine or female domestic identities in order to continue a male laborer and we're still stuck in that ideology but we just see it as normalized or as natural you know and these things aren't natural like there's no reason why these identities should
1: exist
3: it's I like what gets me so mad and we talk about this a lot in our office like we all kind of stew about (laughs) this is fucking gender reveal parties (laughs) (laughs) Oh, <laughs> I can't. That's, I, honestly. So funny. I That's so funny. we get so
1: mad about it too. We want to do a whole episode about how much we hate gender We want to have
2: a gender reveals. reveal for Pamela at some point, it's just like <laughs> serpents in a box I can't believe you <laughs> said that. Was so please, <laughs> please because tell me it's your, like your like thoughts.
3: Pinnacle of what we're talking about. I feel yes. like right mm-hmm. in terms of well, in terms of what it's Dara said. before they're born. <laughs> yeah, 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 um <sighs> yeah. It's like the pinnacle of what Dara was saying about. um how uh gender norms are just so like they are so ingrained and like so mm-hmm. harmful and mm-hmm. so restrictive and it's you know it's not to say that like gender is a bad thing necessarily but like the way that we yeah the the restrictive way that we have yes um constructed gender is just yeah it's 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 awful and it's harmful and it is, yes, um, I think. Uh, highlighted within the gender reveal party phenomenon. <laughs> Have you seen the one where the
2: couple shoots the AK forty seven or whatever? It's like an automatic <laughs> rifle at a box in the forest, and it like explodes blue, and they just start crying. Like, yeah, you're shooting I mean, your metaphorical <laughs> child you in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> like, what's going you're on? Psychopath. not even understand. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, it reminds so me of this annoying. thing that <laughs> um, Simone de Beauvoir says because she was like when she was born. Uh, her family was Jewish, so she was segregated in the hospital. So she says, I was Jewish before I was born, and then I was a woman before I was a human. Mm-hmm. And it's these hierarchies of identities and, like, the intersection of race and of gender. And humanity is not, not a baseline for people. Like, you don't get to just be human. You're, you're something before you're a person.
0: She's so interesting, right? Because I feel like she spent her entire life fighting to be human. Yeah. And to be a philosopher among her peers. And I think she, like, for a very long time, she did not want to be thought of as a woman philosopher. Mm -hmm. And then eventually she just could not get philosophically through the woman question. Yeah, right. And she got trapped there until she died. (laughs) Really (laughs) heartbreaking. It's really true. (laughs) But Um, yeah,
2: right? You just have to, I guess, find the agency in it when when there's no other way forward. Like,
0: what does existentialism mean if she's not human? You know?
2: I'm having, like, a brain meltdown right now. I'm trying to figure it out. (laughs) (sighs) totally
3: I think something something that I thought of um, this is more of like an anecdote um, but uh, my moms were really like progressive feminist lesbians for their for their time and Um, they really tried so hard to make sure that they were dressing me in sort of this gender neutral way when I was a kid like when I was really little and um, I mean I just I basically kind of looked like a baby dyke when I was a baby (laughs) 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 the kind of result of that but basically when I was um, about three I really like asserted my own gender which is really interesting right like I they were trying to be as like as neutral as possible with Mm. me and then I think that did really Mm. allow me to discover sort of that I am I love like feminine things and I Mm. I felt like uh not just a girl but like a feminine girl from Mm -hmm. like a really young age and like that's and then they let me just do that and like be me and like that's awesome and it should like be
1: just as celebrated we should have gender reveal parties at age 11 <laughs> <laughs> yeah like let let the person reveal their <laughs> own gender yeah. their own
0: <laughs> i mean to go back to deborah like it was like the she isolated that it was the masculine that was the positive and the feminine is the negative yeah and i feel like there was a like several generations of feminism or like women's liberal movement that try to erase the feminine as opposed to empower it Mm. and now I feel like I'm almost like with this with discussions of toxic masculinity and like rape culture we might actually be at a tipping point within feminist culture where we need to privilege the feminine I'm doing Mm. air quotes (laughs) (laughs) you know like like actually like really embracing
3: I don't want to say like weakness but vulnerability
2: mm-hmm. yeah like societally perceived weakness right
3: yeah which is yeah which is vulnerability most of the time like emotional emotionality.
2: which is yeah. fucking
0: strength
2: yeah yeah When I cry at work <laughs> yes I know that is <laughs> when you cry right now it's strength
0: uh, yeah if that results in any kind of firing, call me. It <laughs> <laughs> definitely won't. I work. will walk you through a human rights I, I work for Community place. Arts. No worries.
1: <laughs> um, okay, so <laughs> thank it, you.
2: Our time is coming to a close. Yeah. But speaking of Community Arts, I really want you to to go into the thing that you want to talk about. Uh, I know it seem <laughs> Does it seem trivial now? No, it's please not do it. It's not trivial. Art is not no, trivial. i sorry. I didn't
1: mean trivial. I didn't mean trivial. I, I put just that mean I don't want to like spin it. um
2: this might be more important than a quilting round, so I think we should do this.
1: I, yes, I agree. Jesse, if that's all right with you.
2: Sorry, Jesse. Um, I, I regret that apology. I'm not sorry.
1: So I should plug this because by the time this airs, um, we'll be in the middle of our run of Shakespeare in the Rough at Withrow Park. Come um, see everyone,
2: please. Come donate. It's really, come really see.
1: great. I love That's this the company. Best. The artistic director is uh, Caitlin Reardon, who's a mutual friend of mine and Dara's, and uh, the director is Eva Barry, who's uh, equally amazing, credible, um, artistic powerhouse. And um, together, they've put together this show called Portia's Julius Caesar. And what it is, is it's um, Julius Caesar, but from the perspective of all of the female characters in the show. This, the male characters still exist, um, but they're give actually, they're given, like, equal playing time, probably, as the... As the uh,
2: which would read as subordination to a lot of men,
0: but... Continue. Well, exactly,
1: and so... An
0: unheard of in Shakespeare. Caitlin's been
1: working so hard on this script, which she's, like, co-written with Shakespeare, which so <laughs> fucking badass, in my opinion. And uh, I'm excited to see how it turns out. We haven't opened yet, but we're about to, by the time this airs, it will have opened. Um, and the backlash we've gotten uh, is worth noting. It hasn't been huge, um, but Shakespeare purists are alive and well, mm. and not to be too dramatic, but I would cl- classify mm-hmm. them as um, MAGA's,
3: mm-hmm.
1: as mm-hmm. Um, Make America Great Again. Oh, true. Because mm-hmm. um, they want to stick to the ideal that Shakespeare should only be performed uh, with masculine characters by men, primarily white men. Um and what Shakespeare in the rough is really trying to do in those past few years is dismantle that idea and um, so we had a production of Midsummer Night's Dream which you saw last year Elliot did yeah. you see that um, which um, I assist I was the assistant director on and uh, the males became females and mm-hmm. it was sort of like a, a gender bending gender creative mm-hmm. um, I love that term you introduced me to that tonight Um vision of how the play would be and this uh this is no different
0: so i would add <laughs> i'm a i'm a playwright as well as uh a working in action canada and um first of all shakespeare was queer as fuck yes. <laughs> yes 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 he
2: stirred things up he was radical oh 100
0: percent. like have you read as you like it like that is a trans narrative yep. if yes i've ever heard one um, and Midsummer Night Dream, oh, again, mm-hmm. one of my favorite mm-hmm. plays. I hate Twelfth Night because it ends in this really, like, sexist, transphobic place. But a lot of his other Green World fantasies are phenomenal.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, Dara has actually helped convince me that Shakespeare is somebody to like. Because I've actually <laughs> really not yeah. liked Shakespeare well, at all. That's right. A lot <laughs> of people...
1: and So a lot of the discourse going on right now is people, uh, both sides, were kind of caught in the middle. Yeah. Um, but... The the point is this is what Evan Caitlin said just the other day in an interview with the Toronto Star that Shakespeare was queer as you said that he was sort of like um, uh, for his time uh, pushing the boundaries yeah a
0: hundred percent he was playing yeah. off of the sexual and gender anxieties of an Elizabethan audience when he had young men perform women performing men right. and yeah. doing sex acts on yeah. stage it which was is totally with huge cod pieces
1: and this and that which and so, made
0: him so happy yeah. Like he did it with glee so if
1: shakespeare were alive and well in 2018 i would like to assume i'm gonna go ahead and assume that he would love this production he would just say so shakespeare loves this production yeah just go that <laughs> and, fire. This is, this and so about. for all you fucking shakespeare purists out there what the hell's wrong with you Please,
0: change. <laughs> it's time to change.
1: We can all change. There's
0: one other point that I wanna, always want to make to Shakespeare purists, which is that um, it's theater. If there is no... It is performed live every single time. Yep. There is no purism to the theater. Right. Because it is performed by a new person that lives in today yes. every single time it's performed. It just so, so happens that we felat- study the texts, yeah. right? Like, There's a fossilized text, which perhaps you could make a pure... I don't know, relic of inside of an academic setting, mm-hmm. but not in the theater. That ain't Wasn't theater. designed
2: for that. You're so right.
1: <laughs> um, it's hard though
2: because
1: mm. um, a lot of our funding from Shakespeare in the Rough comes from um, donors who are Shakespeare, Shakespeare lovers who are mm-hmm. older, mm-hmm. usually more wealthy, probably white, who like to you know go to Stratford, and so what rough does is sort of disrupts that idea here's um, an email from from somebody that we got which is hard for me it lights a fire under my ass but for others soul crushing how dare you compare (laughs) yourselves to shakespeare you add your puny words to something that is timeless shame on you your time will be up soon You will never get a cent from me or any of my Shakespeare-loving friends. I will support you by staying away until you come to your senses and play Shakespeare as he has been played and will continue to be played forever. Signed, a Shakespeare lover for now and forever. <laughs> oh,
2: my She gosh. is a Shakespearean villain. The, drama. <laughs> <Literally>. <laughs> the, Caitlin, the
0: trauma. Caitlin, you are doing
3: it. something awesome right? to receive that kind of mail. Exactly,
2: yes. 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 That's exactly. You, know you made it. That's amazing. Totally. So,
3: so I, this is like a really kind of roundabout plug for my other book. but no, yeah. um, oh, <laughs> oh, please. It has a wonderful quote. Yes. <laughs> so it's funny because, um, so I just recently published, uh, this book—it's an anthology um, of queer spawn, so uh, kids who come from LGBTQ plus families. Um, it's it's an anthology, so it, it gathers our voices. Um, and I co-edited it with uh, someone named Sadie Epstein Fine, and um, Sadie is also a big theater person. She's a playwright as well, and she loves. Well, I think she loves Shakespeare. Um, anyway, she, we were, when we were coming to the sort of the finale of getting the book together, um, we decided to add quotes at the beginning and, um, and one of the quotes, the quote that she wanted to put in was from uh, Shakespeare, and I was really opposed. Actually, mm-hmm. I was like, "I don't like Shakespeare. I don't want this in our book." <laughs> and like, and um, and I also kind of saw Shakespeare as somebody who was a bit establishment. Like, I that's yeah. my kind of impression mm-hmm. because I learned uh, we read him in high school, yeah. um, and uh, she was kind of the first to um, sort of. Challenge that notion for me, um, and actually, the quote that that she picked is is perfect for our book because it's about um, it's about judgment and people calling um, like the names that you get called, basically, and and sort it's of the how. Why bastard? Why base mm. monologue? Oh,
1: that's what. Yeah. One of my students is doing literally today. <laughs> oh, yeah. for the
3: Go. thespians among um. us
0: who will know exactly what that <laughs> <Yeah>. speech is. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, um, and I actually, I love that it's, I see that it is perfect for our book. Um, because part of uh, what our book is doing is exploring, um, exploring the what we call ourselves as a community and what people have called us and sort of how there's also um, controversy around controversy around uh, the, the term queer spawn and um, yeah, and reclamation of language and all of that. So what is
2: the controversy,
1: if you don't uh, mind me asking? Sorry, first, what's the, what's the exact quote that you used? Do you remember?
3: It was that one that Dara just said.
0: Why bastard, oh, wherefore base. For base. Okay. Yeah, it's that one where Edmund, the villain of Lear. Yes. Yep. Yeah. The villain of Lear, defends. We always
1: talk about King Lear on this Lear, we podcast. We do this the same time. <laughs> I <laughs> love <fifth that>. time. <laughs> Yeah, the
0: villain of Lear basically explains his evil actions away because he's been called a bastard his whole life. Yeah, he goes and on. The, it's
1: a beautiful monologue. Like, it's so queer because he talks about how nature has like sort of cast him aside. She's mm-hmm.
2: just called King Queer, he's am I right?
0: Heyo <laughs> Shakespeare <laughs> in the Rough, two thousand twenty.
1: Caitlin Meriden, if you're listening. She's gonna get hateful emails <laughs> like right yeah. now. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, really briefly, do
2: you mind? Like why are people why do people um, not like the term queer spawn? Or is it
3: Um well people like people within our communities don't like the term queer spawn right. because um, it's because it's reminiscent of Spawn of the Devil. But that is where it comes from. I mean, sort of. It's like, so um, the idea is taking, reclaiming the idea that we are Spawn of the Devil.
2: I mm. love that. Fucking music. Yeah. That's amazing. Sadie
3: and I love it too. But we also have one contributor who is, um doesn't love it and talks about why he doesn't love it. Which is great too. Which is great that's too. amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he's totally. also like a nine-year-old and he... Yeah. Yeah, who
1: understands the power of language. Yeah, wow. yeah,
3: yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah, That's um, wait. The how Kainis can I find book this book? Oh, is yeah. currently
0: sold out at Glad Day Bookstore. I just found yes. out five minutes ago. <laughs> when oh my I, god, it's sold out! Can, it's sold out. Oh my god! It is Also sold out Thanks. at uh, Octopus Books. No Venus MV. Venus NV in Ottawa. In Ottawa. Um. Everybody's like, it flew off the shelf, and so they're all ordering it again. <gasps> so this is so
1: fucking cool. It it I need to get my hands on will be available. Oh, I know.
0: I, I this
3: is,
1: this is all of my interests. <laughs> yeah, this is perfect.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's a great book. I have Thanks, Dara. Can we have you come back
2: and read a passage sometime? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can you
3: get it online, Makeda? Um, you can get it online at Glad Day Bookshop. Okay. Yeah, and like order
2: it to the store. Or do they deliver it?
3: um they sell it on their website so oh, cool. i think i think they deliver it That's actually so i'm not entirely insane. sure
2: listeners find out this is your homework <laughs> order
3: the book <laughs> you can also just order it to the bookstore which i just did oh amazing and then also yeah through we got
1: it we have to do yes this.
3: yeah thanks it's <laughs> called spawning generations ransom reflections uh from kids growing up with lgbtq plus parents yeah generations. thanks <laughs> oh, i'm so
2: inspired by you two this is amazing
1: Need this in my life. Yeah, I, we have to wrap up because this is super long. Okay. Um, yeah, the time really... <laughs> 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 I'm um, glad we didn't do an intro. Yeah, I know, or
2: an <laughs> outro. Let's just, let's just do this. Uh, do you folks want to plug uh, personal handles or any other handles before we go? Or like, emails or anything if yes. people want to reach out with questions?
3: So our organization's handle is at Action Canada S... H R, cool. sorry. We just recently changed our handles, so <laughs> I'm still having trouble remembering. <laughs> I really hope that's right. At Action Canada, it's HR. a rollback. Yeah,
0: we used to be at Sexual Health and Rights, and too many people were blocking us because we had sex in the title.
3: Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't that just fucking of the time? Yeah. Um, and then my personal Twitter Twitter mm. handle is at uh, MacZook, like M A K. Said, "Oh, okay. I think. Oh my gosh. Cool. We can crush sure. this. <laughs> <if it's not laughs> can let us. <laughs> Everyone figure it out. <laughs> and I am
0: an elder millennial, so my Twitter handle is just at Dara Title. You nice have Twitter? Twitter. I do have oh, Twitter. cool. <laughs> okay, I
3: didn't know. We'll we, we we you guys don't in the really post, post too later. I'm we more don't comfortable
1: on Facebook. On Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> Jesse, Twitter for us. <laughs> <laughs> figure it
2: out. Um, and you can find us on Patreon at Dickwick, Instagram at Dickwick." Twitter at Dickwick Uh, Email us at DoYouQueerWithIQueer At gmail.com Find us on Facebook At DoYouQueerWithIQueer Rate, review, subscribe, let us know what you think. Thanks for
1: rolling through that. That I was was just watching you be surprised. That was quite
2: a gag. (laughs) Um, Okay, well, I guess we need to wrap this up, but thank you again, both of you, so much. This has been very enlightening.
3: This has been a real pleasure. Yeah, it's been really fun. Thank you for having us. Um, I'd I'd
1: like to... uh, um, It's nice to have you... I say this on air <laughs> <laughs> of, like uh, expert in this like especially because this is so important right now in ontario mm-hmm. the sex ed curriculum so i'd love to stay in contact and if anything more develops you can yeah. come on and help our listeners please keep w- reaching uh, out want to know they they you know yeah this is not a one-time thing it's like
0: yeah. an ongoing Yeah, Yeah. Well, c- i mean like we just really encourage your listeners to stay in touch with our organization yeah. action canada shr.org as well as uh, the 519 has a campaign website got your back and other organizations are mobilizing so yes get with the movement
2: email your motherfucking MPPs email everybody. your
0: motherfucking MPPs <laughs> right especially now. if they're conservative especially uh,
1: which yes. they probably are okay
2: oh. <laughs> well I guess <laughs> see you next Tuesday see you next Tuesday
1: bye, bye.
0: bye. I no one two ready go
3: Yes. So when I look at Pamela today, I see uh, a 1990s kind of valley girl, like, you know, Beverly Hills, 90210 styles, Melrose Place. <laughs>